Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're going to have a a show talking about um, the uh, Planned Parenthood issue with uh, state government and its lack of funding. Um, Governor Daniels recently signed into legislation a restriction on the use of federal funds in Indiana clinics that perform abortions, making Indiana the first state to strip Planned Parenthood of government funding. According to advocates of the bill, uh, Hoosier women will still have access to women's health care services through other providers. Opponents of the bill, however, say that lower-income women will lose access to these health services. Um, in, uh, we, we have no guests here with us in the studio at this time. Uh, Betty Cockrum is here. She's a representative uh, of – or she is uh, the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood of Indiana. She's joining us by phone. We had expected Eric Turner, the, the co-author of the bill, to be here today. Uh, we haven't been able to reach him in the last uh, hour or so. So we're still expecting that perhaps he will be here. And we've sent out a last-minute invitation to Peggy Welch. We're hoping she voted uh, in favor of stripping Planned Parenthood of funding as well. We're hoping maybe she'll join us uh, later in the program. You can call us, though, with your questions for Betty Cockrum at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And also our web address, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Well, Betty, thanks for being here. We thought we were going to have to tie pork chops around our necks just to get the dog to play with us. <laughs> so sorry it's that way. Well, we're glad you're here. Yeah, that's right. Well, so let, uh, we're going to start with your perspective on this. So this is uh, this was, you know, Indiana has now stri- essentially stripped Planned Parenthood of government funding. So what's that mean to your organization? Well, um, what it really is about is our patients that are served by our organization. And let me say that the... Um, other language in 1210, as it, at, as it was originally moving, is very troubling, separate and apart from this defunding language that got dumped in at the very end of session, having never been heard in the Senate and only heard in a, in a uh, committee hearing in the House. But needless to say, it did sail through at that point, and as you said, um, got signed by Governor Daniels on May the 10th. The immediate impact of that, because of the emergency provision in the language, meant that as of May the 10th, Planned Parenthood of Indiana was no longer a Medicaid provider, and that meant that 9,300 patients across the state who are served, Medicaid patients who have been served by Planned Parenthood at its 28 locations, lost their medical home. And um, it also meant that 3,500 Hoosiers who are served by the uh, Disease Intervention Program grant to uh, identify STDs and HIV and, and do intervention um, would, would become unplugged. We serve 22 counties um, out of the 92 through the State Department of Health. So um, what has happened, and, and of course we immediately filed uh, seeking a temporary restraining order so that our patients wouldn't have to find an, another place for their medical care. And those are very difficult to get, and the judge did not grant that. She did, however, immediately schedule a hearing for the preliminary injunction that we are seeking, and that will take place on June the 6th. And she intends to expedite her ruling, understanding that um, there are patients in the queue and, and that the rest of the bill takes effect on July 1. Betty, this might not be a fair question to ask you, but are you aware of any other instance where a state has um, blocked itself from receiving federal funding? Well, because Indiana is the first state to have gone to this length to, to uh, defund Planned Parenthood, it hasn't been tested, to my knowledge. And we know that Governor Daniels' own FSSA secretary is the person who raised the potential that Indiana would, in fact, lose its entire $4 million pot of Medicaid federal family planning funds and further 
put at risk the entire Medicaid program. I think it makes sense to to um, it makes sense that that the Medicaid program places a great deal of importance on birth control and family planning and reproductive health care. Right. Let me ask you something else. Would the money that's currently going to Planned Parenthood would it go to clinics or offices that are not abortion providers? Um, the short answer to that is yes, and, and one of the most frustrating things about this for me has been the, the, the cavalier and irresponsible attitude that's been taken by the political leaders regarding what's really out there to provide services if it's not us. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I won't argue that it has to be us, although we are the largest provider of reproductive health care out there in the state and, and across the country. But... Um, the governor in his media advisory on April the 29th said that there are 800 Medicaid providers in the 21 counties where Planned Parenthood has offices. Ergo, these patients are in good shape. Well, I would ask a few questions. Are they taking Medicaid patients? Are they taking mm-hmm. patients? Do they have a waiting list? A waiting list might matter a whole lot if you have a, a pap test issue or, or you need your birth control. Are they conveniently located when you've got gas prices at $4 a gallon? Are they, do they have patient-friendly hours? Do they provide all the services that we provide? And is their fee schedule the same? The answer in many, many, many cases is no. There are parts of the state that are completely unserved. I would think so, especially in rural areas. I, I, yeah, I would imagine. We've got a call on the line. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and go to our first caller, Valerie. Hi. Hi, Valerie. Betty, it's yes. Valerie. Um, I'm a longtime Planned Parenthood supporter, and I was very upset about this bill and our governor signing it. I immediately started calling a number of OBGYNs in our area to see if they would pick up the slack on Medicaid patients that are turned away from Planned Parenthood. And each one I spoke to said no. So this just kind of follows with what Betty's been talking about, who's going to have access to care. A few weeks ago, I had my annual visit to the doctor. It cost $168. I had insurance. Most of it was covered. No Medicaid patient can come close to paying $168 for well care. This is a great concern of people who are going to fall through the system for both family planning and for potential illnesses. And that's what I wanted to say and let you know that right now there are Bloomington physicians on record as not being willing to take on the Medicaid um, individuals. I really appreciate you taking the time to to share that real-life response to things. And I suspect that's what's being found all over the state of Indiana. Um, We heard in the last week that Walgreens was another potential provider for these services. And we have had people who've called to talk to them about getting a pap test. And, of course, they don't have that uh, service. And then there's a state legislator down in southwest Indiana, one who spoke in favor of passage of this bill, who um, back on April the 29th was quoted in the Evansville paper that um, there were a number of places where these patients can go. And she specifically cited crisis pregnancy centers. My question is, when's the last time a patient got a pap test at a, at a crisis pregnancy center? When's the last time you could get birth control at a crisis pregnancy center? It, it, it's just so... So, Betty, you really feel like it's a, a much more of a, a political and moral agenda that's being promoted than anything out of genuine concern for uh, the health care of the women of the state of Indiana. Is that a fair statement? It, 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 it is so... Back to the 50s, it, it is so um, just really, truly shows no concern for, for good public health policy. It, it takes us in the wrong direction. And, and it's also the implications of this language for Indiana in terms of its fiscal and societal impact, are, they're huge. And it's really alarming to watch a legislature and, and a governor who think that it's okay to just ignore those consequences. All right, our phone numbers again, 855 in Bloomington, 
877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area, wfiu.org slash noon edition is our web address. Betty Cockrum is on the phone with us. She's president and CEO of Planned Parenthood of Indiana. We have invited Eric Turner, who authored co-authored a bill uh, that stripped Planned Parenthood of funding. We expected him to be here, but um, he's not here. So let's go to the phones. Dave is on the phone. Dave? Uh, hi. This is Dave from Fort Wayne. Uh-huh. Hi, Dave. Hi, Betty. Uh, admittedly, I'll tell you, I'm on the other side on this issue. That's great. Go and uh, I just would like to get your response to the fact that uh, former Planned Parenthood uh-huh. Director Abby Johnson recently said that Planned Parenthood's real mission is to increase abortion numbers, increase revenue, and that the organization, in her opinion, provides shabby, limited health care. Now, she's had two abortions herself, and she believes there's a better use of our tax dollars going to for women to go to other free clinics that offer more services than what Planned Parenthood offers. I'm curious, why do you feel that Planned Parenthood is better suited to provide this care? Well, I would begin with, Abby Johnson certainly has taken herself out there with the profile on this, and she, like all the rest of us, gets to tell her story. It's unfortunate that she uh, finds it finds it acceptable to try to taint an organization that has existed here in Indiana. It's been 80 years. It it will be 80 years in February. And I would submit that you don't continue to operate for 80 years if you are not providing a service that is needed and if you are not doing that well. Here in Indiana, as I said, we're the biggest provider of reproductive health care. We do 500 PAP tests a week. Who else can say that? And so to suggest that we have that we have quality issues, might there occasionally be one? Yeah. Um, can you name a health care provider where every single day everything that, ha- that, that happens in their location is, is perfectly done? Um, that, that Betty, I want you to address Dave's issue about that there are other free clinics available to do this, this work. I guess it would be useful to have uh, the names and locations of those if, in fact, that is true. Yeah, there I, are other funded health centers in the state of Indiana with, this, with the same federal family planning dollars. Rarely do you find that they offer all of the reproductive health care services that we do. Actually, that, the information is available online. Pardon me? The, the list of providers is available online. Yeah, uh, there's a list of providers available online. I I suspect if you call them and you ask the specific questions about the services that are provided and and what the waiting list is and all of those things that I that I referred to earlier, you might find that it's not an acceptable alternative. I did a search in Allen County alone and uh, and found over 100 providers who would be willing uh, for, uh, over 100 OBGYN providers who uh, would be able to provide those services. And who are taking new Medicaid patients? That I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, but, it, it, and, and again, Allen County is very different than Newton County or Switzerland County or Posey County. There are counties right now where the services don't exist. Okay. Are there Medicaid providers in every county? Absolutely. Do they do these services? No. And by these services, Betty, you're not necessarily referring to abortion. Is that no, I don't want to put words in your mouth. To abortion. This this issue is not about abortion. It's about reducing abortion <coughs> by reducing unintended pregnancy. This is preventive health care. It's Pap tests, breast exams, annual exams, STD testing and treatment, and it is birth control. And to have a public policy, a public health policy that reduces access for birth control in the name of reducing the incidence of abortion, which is an objective all of us share, is absurd on its face. You reduce abortion by reducing unintended pregnancy. Betty, let me ask you a question, and Dave, stay on the line for this, if you would, please. Why don't you just, why doesn't Planned Parenthood just do all of the reproductive health care types of things and let another service, an un, you know, another completely separate uh, service provider be in charge of abortions? That way people, Dave, would that be okay with you? I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch the last part of your question. Okay, if, if Planned Parenthood did everything except abortions, would, would you be okay with them continuing to function, hand out birth control, um, fulfill the needs of, of um, Medicaid patients, et cetera? 
Well, let me answer the question this way. Like most Americans, I'm opposed to my taxpayer money going being used to fund abortions. So they if don't. That was the Your case, taxpayer dollars do not fund abortions. Well, that is simply not true. Really? That is simply not true. One of President Obama's first acts as president was to reinstate the Mexico City policy, which pays for which overseas abortion. So that's simply not true. You're overlooking the Hyde Amendment, which makes it illegal to use federal funding. The only exceptions are for victims of rape and incest who can show a police report. They're very rare. And if the doctor says the woman will die if she doesn't terminate the pregnancy. That's it. This, this, this misrepresentation of truth that taxpayer dollars are paying for abortion is wrong. Fight fair. Okay, so, so, okay, so Dave, yes. can we go back to the, the question I asked? Would that then, would you be comfortable with everything, all other uh, health uh, care needs being served by Planned Parenthood? If Planned Parenthood lived up to its name and, uh, did, and, and was not providing abortions, I don't think most people would have a problem with their taxpayer funding going, toward, going to it. Okay, so Betty, let me, Dave, thank you. Betty, why is it you and your board don't make that choice? Well, I, I would like to introduce a new piece of information. Um, I think everyone's aware that there's an awful lot of this kind of legislative activity across the country. Kansas very recently, the Kansas legislature just uh, passed a bill to take Title X funding away from the Kansas Planned Parenthood affiliate. And in Minnesota, language has been proposed to defund in it, it, pretty much any entity that has any involvement in abortions. And the language includes that you will be defunded if you even refer someone. Okay, so if, if okay, so if a patient comes in and specifically says, "This is a choice I've made," and can you please tell me where I can go to obtain that that service, that abortion? And if you say, "Go to the clinic on the corner of Seventeenth and Lincoln Street, or whatever," I just made that up. Um, you will, you can get those that, kinds that, of services that, there. Then you were in jeopardy of losing your federal funding. If, if that language were to pass in Minnesota, that is in fact the outcome of. Of that, yes. Okay. And so the other thing I would say is that abortion is something, we do more than than any other entity to reduce the incidence of abortion, but it is, in fact, a constitutionally protected procedure. We wish women didn't even have to contemplate that decision. Mm -hmm. But they always have and they always will. And because we Mm -hmm. are in the reproductive health care business, we, we, we're expert at it, and we absolutely believe in the importance of our patients having fully informed decisions. And so one of the things that is true for our three locations where surgical abortions are performed is that we have on-site adoption counseling services. We want to make sure that these women who are faced with a troubling decision know all of their options and make the very best decision for themselves and their families. Dave, I wanted to ask you, did, did you uh, lobby on behalf of this bill during the session, or were you just uh, sort of an, uh, an observer? I've been an observer myself. Uh-huh. Okay. Just wondered about that. And, you know, Betty, Betty yeah. talked about, um, you know, all the different things that they tried to do. I know you said earlier, I think you, you referred to something about uh, Planned Parenthood wanting to to make a lot of money being an abortion provider. What was it exactly you said? Well, that's Abby Johnson, uh-huh. former former Planned, right. Planned Parenthood director from Texas, who said that that was the main reason she got out. There was directives that she felt compelled to increase abortion numbers for her clinic down in Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wanted to let Betty address that. I, I just got sure. a letter to the editor this week that said, you know, essentially the same thing that that Planned Parenthood's uh, objective is to increase the number of abortions because it's it's uh, good for the bottom line. Right. And I wanted, you know, I wanted Betty to have a chance you know, that. to I, I that. Really, again, I really wish no woman ever had to make that decision or had to, had to contemplate it. That that is, it, it it it's been fascinating in the last four months to hear how many experts there are out there on what we do and how we conduct our our business. It, mm-hmm. it, there is absolutely no motivation to increase the number of abortions. It's just simply not true. 
All right, Dave, we're going to let you go here. Do you have okay. any last, last thing to say? Thank you for your time. No. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Uh, we've got uh, Brandon. Brandon Smith is on the line. Brandon is the Indiana Public Broadcasting Statehouse reporter. He's joined us on the line just to talk a little bit about uh, this, the bill and how it traveled through the Statehouse this year. Brandon, thanks for being here. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, so you were you were right there in the middle, in the thick of things, watching this happen. Was it ever was it ever in doubt in your mind? Did you think uh, there was any way that this bill was going to get stopped? Well, certainly not the the informed consent abortion portion of the bill, which is the original House Bill twelve ten, but the addition of what was House Bill twelve oh five, which is the defunding Planned Parenthood portion of the bill, that came into the that that was added in the senate late in the session so that one i won't say threw us for a loop but that one was certainly more of a uh, of a surprise that addition okay so yeah again just for our listeners uh sake just sort of take us through the the process i mean how many bills were uh out there that were looking at this issue 17 17 bills yes right wow the two the, the two primary bills that that sort of got the focused attention were, like I just said, House Bills 1210 yeah. and 1205. Um, House Bill 1210, as I said, was the informed consent for abortion language. And there's a whole lot of things that go into that. It sets the term of uh, the date of viability at 20 weeks. It uh, mandates certain things that doctors have to tell their patients who are seeking an abortion. There's a whole lot that goes into that. And that, uh, that moved pretty rapidly through the, through the legislature when the, once the Democrats returned from the five-week walkout. But House Bill 1205, which cut off any government funding, state or federal, to organizations that perform abortions, that was something that was presented in committee the day the Democrats left for that walkout. And as a result, because it was a committee report, it was killed. It was, it was uh, with the Democrats' absence, the House Republicans uh, agreed to, to kill all of those committee reports, which at the time also included right to work, which was considered the main reason for the walkout at the time. But House Bill 1205 was then resurrected in the Senate after the uh, House bill had passed the House, traveled over to the Senate. It was then the, the language that, that, defunded plan, that defunds Planned Parenthood was then added in the Senate, passed overwhelmingly there, and then passed, I would, I would say, overwhelmingly in the House as well. It did receive bipartisan support. There was... I, at least one or two Democratic senators who voted for the bill, and there was a handful of Democratic House members who also voted for it. Mm-hmm. All right, Brandon, we're going to ha- have you stick around. We're going to take a short break. We've got a phone caller. Don, I hope you'll be patient and wait for us until uh, we get back off this break. Brandon uh, Smith from Indiana Public Broadcasting State House Bureau and uh, Becky Cockrum. Betty. Betty, Betty Cockrum. Sorry, <laughs> Betty. Betty Betty Cockrum, who's the uh, president and CEO of Planned Parenthood of Indiana, are here, and we're discussing uh, some, one of the bills that went through the Indiana State House. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as play and opera reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're talking about the legislation that passed uh, the Indiana General Assembly that uh, restricts the use of federal funds in Indiana clinics that perform abortions. And we have uh, two guests with us. Betty Cockrum is here. She's the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood of Indiana. 
and she's joined us by by phone. Also, uh, we've been joined during the program by Indiana Public Broadcasting's Brandon Smith, the State House reporter who kept tabs on everything going on at the State House this year, including this bill. Uh, we did invite, and we were expecting Eric Turner, the co-author of the bill, Republican, um, and um, he just he isn't here. So, I hope he's all right. So we can't have. Uh, can't have his perspective. Maybe he'll call in if he's listening to the show. We have three people who have called in, though. And if you want to call, 855-0811 is the local number, 877-285-9348. If you're outside the Bloomington area, you can also go to the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. But let's go first to Don. Don? Uh, as a firm supporter of Planned Parenthood, and I find this whole piece of legislation uh, repugnant, reactionary, and all that, and I very strongly have very strong opinions about just how bad the public policy this involves. <clears throat> you've already you've alluded to um, the cost and the reproductive, uh, as far as the health care, down the pike. Uh, if tests are not done and early diagnoses are not uh, uh, provided. Uh, the cost to the taxpayers as far as um, the health care and the outcomes of cancer uh, survivorship, etc., are far more bleak. Uh, that's just one aspect of the uh, public policy. It's interesting to me that the same people who uh, support this bill are also some of the same people who do not support the right to life after birth, and particularly when I refer to that, so I refer to the, the potential for child abuse as well for the uh, fact that they are opposed to having aid for dependent, uh, aid for uh, uh, children in, that are in poverty. Um, I just really hope that, uh, it's my hope that people like myself and people that are rational uh, will um, remember who voted for this bill, who supported it, and uh, we'll vote them out of office at the earliest opportunity. And all I can say is shame on Mitch Daniels and his uh, wanting to become president. I think that uh, adds to the scariness of the thought of Mitch Daniels becoming president as well as the implications of uh, this incredibly bad uh, decision of public policy. All right, Don. Thanks a lot for your comments. Uh, I want to ask Brandon to jump in here. Brandon, it was quite a session this year, and this was uh, just one bill. You have of, a gift for understatement. Yeah, right. Bob. One bill of many, many uh, sort of, I guess, controversial, um, important. However, you want to put it, depending on what side of the, of the fence Historic. you're on. Historic. Historic bills. Um, where would you put this bill in terms of you know, in, in if, when you write your book about the uh, 2011 session? You know, where are you where are you going to put this? What chapter is this one going to be in? Oh, um, <laughs> well, I mean. I think a lot of attention was certainly focused on all the education reform bills that came through the legislature this session, and, and rightfully so. It's that that truly is historic. There's, they're doing some things in Indiana now that really haven't been done anywhere else. But this one, in terms of impact and attention, is probably right about at the top. Um, there's been talk, obviously, nationally about some of the things Indiana is doing because of Mitch Daniels' possible presidential aspirations. But no one issue has gotten as much attention nationwide and put the spotlight on Indiana like this bill. Okay. Um, can I ask Betty yeah, a quick sure. question? I know we've got a couple of callers. Betty, are you there? Yes. Well, how do you respond? I mean, it does seem logical to me that if you take away funding from Planned Parenthood, you're going to end up with fewer di- diagnosed uh diseases and therefore a spread of more disease because if people don't know they have something, they're, they're more likely to, to pass it along. And more unwanted pregnancies if you're not there to hand out um, birth control. So when you point that out to people on the other side of the issue, what is their response? I, and I'm so sorry that Eric Turner's not here because I, I would certainly like to hear this from him, but, but what, their, what's their your experience been? Their response is that there are health care providers lined up on the street to, to serve our patients with, with uh, that there's no issue here. Wow. Again, it's, it is a very cavalier and irresponsible response. Um, 
And but I would like to uh, talk a little bit about. I would agree, uh, if no, if for no other reason, given the media activity um, on this issue, that that it is the number one um, legislative highlight across the country for Indiana. Um, and in response to that, since the last week of session, the outpouring of support has been unlike anything I have ever seen. And if I may, I would like to give you some numbers. Sure, go ahead. We have heard from 874 donors in 45 states and Belgium and the United Kingdom. We have received donations totaling $67,553. Many of them are made in honor of Governor Daniels. They say things like, to fight the atrocities happening in Indiana, keep up the fight to keep offering much-needed services. They say because all women deserve accessible health care. They say now that, now that many women will be unable to afford birth control, more will need abortions. Um, just last night, we got, since last night, we got $6,688 in gifts. And the best thing about it is we can then decide day-to-day looking at the, we've continued to serve our Medicaid patients because these gifts have been coming in and just yesterday announced that we could extend our services to our Medicaid patients through May the 30th. Now, hadn't you originally said you would extend it through, was it May 21st? So this is now another nine days you've been able to. Has anybody made a contribution in honor of Arnold Schwarzenegger yet? Uh, No, we haven't seen that. And I'm also waiting anxiously to hear from a donor in Mississippi, just anybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Haven't heard from Mississippi. You had a very straight face when you said that, Mary Catherine. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's see what John has to say. John? Yeah, I'm John. Hi, John. Go ahead. Well, I think my question goes mostly to Brandon Smith. Uh, the the, the uh, question I have, well, first is a statement, and that is this is not about abortion. This is about control of a woman's body. And I'd like to know how many males... We have two divisions in the uh, Indiana legislature, right? The called Senate, or and then the uh, equal to the House. How many uh, of these people are that voted for this bill are male in, in gender, in terms of gender? Do you have an answer to that question? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know the exact number, but I can tell you it's overwhelmingly male. Well, that the the Indiana General Assembly is overwhelmingly male. It's okay. 117 males out of 150. How many females were like, uh, let's say, Peggy Welch, who voted favor this bill? I'd like to know how many females in our General Assembly uh, voted for this bill. Mm. Again, I don't have an exact number. Um, every Republican female voted for it, uh, and... So I, I don't know what that number is, like I said, off the top of my head. But I know that every Republican female member of either the House and the Senate uh, voted for this bill. So we have a situation where basically males are once again controlling the female body. You could certainly make that argument. And uh, number two, I wonder how these males would like it if, the same number, uh, the same ratio, the other way around, of females were voting how we males use our body. Well, I'll say uh, one of the Democratic representatives, and I think it was Shelley Vandenberg, but I'm not entirely certain. I don't want to attribute it to someone who didn't necessarily say it. But one of the Democratic uh, House representatives, who's a woman, got up and said, if... Uh, if men could give birth, nothing like this would ever be passed. So. That, well, good for her. Good for her. Uh, because that's true. This is, this is really the, the, my, my uh, uh, heritage is southern Indiana, and I'm a Civil War uh, person, and my great-great-grandfather and all of that stuff. But I'm just so ashamed to be living in Indiana right now and to have these males uh, be so presumptuous and, and uh, self-strutting, uh, self-appointed, uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh. Oh, I don't know what the, where that's coming from. Are you still well, there? We lost John. All right, John's off, but we still have the beep. Uh-oh. Oh. All right, 
we're having a little technical but we lost john john was on a roll but uh i don't think i think john was mostly i mean he had some questions and i think um i think we lost brandon I think too we lost brandon let's go too. to janet and let's, see what janet has yeah well i want to i, oh, go I ahead. wanted to ask one thing though i guess with um betty i mean i think brandon actually said that that all the women who were in the republican caucuses voted in favor of the bill as well um so uh, so how many how many women voted? Do you have any idea how many women voted against the bill? I mean, was it were there more women that voted in favor of than, than against it because of the well, makeup I, of the house? I have Senate? to say, um, the, the Republican caucuses on both sides tend to hang one hundred percent tight on this issue. But I and I, you know, it's it was a long session and there were a lot of vote tallies. But I actually think that that Senator Sue Lansky did not vote for twelve ten. Okay. And she has since expressed real concern publicly about women being able to get the services that they need. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Let's go back to the phones. We have several calls, and uh, let's see. I'm not sure which one to take next. Let's take Dave next. Dave? Hi. My name is Dave Parsons. living near Bloomington. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, it seems like the basic argument on one side is that abortion is killing babies. The other side is that abortion is a necessary service uh and i i think the law i'm not in favor of what's been passed but i'd like to hear miss cochran uh speak from her perspective about uh more of the uh, from the view of a health care provider from someone who's actually um been in the field and, and talked with women in a situation where they would consider an abortion to really give us uh, sort of a first-hand account of why uh, Planned Parenthood is sticking with including abortion in their services. That's a great question, Dave. Well, again, we are, we are a household name in the, in, as a provider of reproductive health care services. And again, it, it is it is an unfortunate situation when a woman has to contemplate that, but it 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 has always existed. It will always exist, and it, it's really important to us that women feel like they have a safe and private place to go, that that where experts can talk to them through their decisions, and it's also true here in Indiana that. Ninety-seven percent of the abortions that are performed are within the first thirteen weeks, um, and and um, part of what's difficult about this whole discussion is that they're um, they're wishing to provide uh, medically inaccurate information to women and insisting that they sign in writing that they've heard it from the doctor who may be um, who, who, who's giving information that's not accurate. And a whole lot of that has to do with things like fetuses feeling pain at 20 weeks. And that begs the question, what, what, what's the relevance of telling a woman that when the abortions are occurring before 13 weeks? Mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and the reason it happens is to shame and confuse women who are already in a troubled situation. And I think it makes sense for us to be to help, there to help them through it. All right, Betty, thanks. Uh, and thank, we thanks that last caller. I want to remind our listeners, we, we have Betty Cockrum from the, the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood on the phone with us. And Brandon Smith, the Indiana Public, Indiana Public Broadcasting Statehouse reporter, is also here. We invited Eric Turner, and we expected him to be here. He was one of the co-authors of the bill that stripped uh, federal funding uh, for Indiana clinics that perform abortions, uh, but he's not here with us, so we don't have his perspective on this. Uh, let's he's go also to the person who said on the House floor that that um, girls and women might sometimes lie about rape and incest. Hmm. Yeah. And, okay. Let's go to the phones again, and I think Mary is up next. Uh, yes, um, I would like to ask Betty Cochran why um, she didn't answer the question if. If Planned Parenthood believes that women's health is so important and they want to continue to receive the government funding, then why don't they just drop their abortion business? I guess I feel like I've asked that, answered that question at least once in the last I, I didn't, hour. I'm sorry, I didn't hear it because it seems like you diverted to another topic and you avoided 
really answering that specific, why don't you just drop your abortion business? What I said the first time the question was asked is, is to point out the language that's been proposed in the, is by, the Indian, or by the Minnesota legislature, which says that defunding would occur with any organization that even refers an abortion. And so while that language hasn't been proposed in Indiana, I would submit that, that the, the, the length that they will go to to defund because of any relationship whatsoever regarding abortion, that they're significant and they're relentless. And in the meantime, again, we are the largest provider of reproductive health care. We have done it for 80 years come next February the 4th. And women who are facing that difficult situation should have the health care services that are, that are full range. We, we start with adoption counseling services on site at our surgical abortion locations, and we make sure that a woman knows what her, de- what, what her decision means for herself and for her family. And, Betty, I thought that you rightfully pointed out before that, in fact, it is a legal procedure, and she does... It's. I don't know. From my point of view, it's it's a free speech issue that that you ought to be allowed to know what your rights are, and it's a legal procedure to which you have the right to avail yourself. That is correct. Mary, did you have a comment you were going to make? Well, um, still, I I feel like she hasn't answered the question. I I think Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in Indiana, so I I mean it it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that money is made. From abortions, and I still feel that my question has not been answered. If Planned Parenthood wants to receive government funding to provide pap smears and um, birth control and breast exams, then why don't you drop your abortion services? And do you think that if Planned Parenthood stopped doing abortions in Indiana, that there would be fewer abortions? Or might they be done later and at more risk to the woman? Well, that, that's not care? that's not even the question. The question is, hmm. why don't you why don't you drop those services then? If you want to continue to receive the funding, then drop the abortion services. But Mary, I think, I think what that you are that Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in Indiana. Mary, I think what what Betty is saying, and Betty, please feel free to correct me here, but I think what Betty is saying is that in her mind and in the mind of her board of directors, um, the good uh, of continuing to provide abortion services uh, as a health service for people outweighs the bad of losing the federal funding, um, and that it would, in fact, make them participate in or be, be participants in a slippery slope of a loss of rights. Is that, am I overstepping my comments, Betty? That, that's absolutely one element of it, but there are many. And again, well, then I, I don't understand why you oppose the legislation then. If you feel that um, abortion there are so many reasons to the legislation, it, it's about defunding and it's about many other things as well. It is, a, it is a sweeping piece of legislation that has lots more than defunding in it. Betty, am I also, and again, I, I'm sorry if I, I don't want to seem to put words in your mouth, but um, do you see this as, uh, I, we, we used the word historic earlier, and, I, and I'm wondering if you feel that that is not too strong a word here um, based on, on what happened with, the, with this legislation? Well, I do think it's historic. The, the, the federal family planning dollars have been invested in health care by Planned Parenthood affiliates across the country for decades. And I, I, I want to get back to, to this legislation failing through as it did in, in, the same, in the same session where the health care provisions and uh, other issues in the challenged budget are going to reduce care and services available for Indiana's most unfortunate. And that includes the 22% of the children who are already here in Indiana who are living in poverty, who right now are hungry, and who tonight do not know if they have a safe place to sleep. These people did nothing. 
nothing to help that population. All right, Mary, we're going to have to go to a couple more callers. We've got uh, two that have been very patient waiting. Let's go to Sue first. Sue? Uh, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Uh-huh. Planned Parenthood says that this is government interference, but isn't it also government interference to force me as a taxpayer if I don't want my money going to an entity that also provides something that I find unconscionable? In other words, can government decide who it wants to contract with and change contractors? It does it all the time in, in other areas. Um, Medicaid law makes it very clear that a Medicaid patient should have a choice about provider. You know, that's true with um, doctors. Some doctors accept Medicaid, you know, for, like, podiatry or, you know, what other kinds of services, not just family planning. Uh, that's probably a bad example, but other kinds of health services that, that some doctors don't. Surely there's a, there are ways to change providers within the Medicaid system. And, and, and that's what it seems to me that this is about. It seems like there's an entitlement feeling here. Perhaps it's uh, an, an earned participation by the largest reproductive health care provider who arguably is expert in providing the PAP test, breast exams, annual exams, STD testing and treatment, and birth control services. Well, I don't think anybody's maybe arguing with that, but that the fact that government can choose its providers based on these other decisions. Um, trying to do it at the federal level uh, also, and, and maybe people are starting federal to funding. make their voices heard that this is not the provider we think our state should choose. That will be reviewed by the court system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. So don't, you. don't you think that the, I mean, the, the decision by the legislature was made not because it was what provider they wanted to provide um, pap smears and the like, but they they didn't want a provider that also um, does abortions. You know, and I that's think that's right. And that, yeah. that's that actually that was well, that was my question. It yeah. may not have been. I didn't ask it very well, but that's right. And I and one of the, and the point I'm trying to make is what's wrong with that as a as a taxpayer who doesn't want my money to go to an organization that also provides abortions when there are other healthcare providers out there. What's wrong with the with the legislature or the governor or whomever, the government, to say, here's who I'm going to contract with and here's who I'm not. There are a lot of people who are uncomfortable with lawmaking that involves ideology and, and morals. It's just, it's just one of those things that's out there. It's always been out there. Sue, so can I ask you a question? Is there a movement afoot to have a state and preferably nationally or national organization that does all the things that Planned Parenthood does but doesn't do abortions? No, because no, that sounds like really what that I know would of, make everybody of your... It's obvious that there are other providers. Um, it it, it, it I seems like you're all they're saying that nobody could do this like Planned Parenthood can, and I just don't think that's true. So why isn't there, I guess, is my question. There are. That, that's, that's, but there's not. There is. It, I mean, I just asked you if there's a nation, national, well-organized. Oh, oh, oh! I see what you were asking. I apologize. I don't know that there is a national, well-organized. I don't know that that's necessary. There how about an Indiana organized heart doctors? Well, how? Okay. How about? I mean, really? I guess I, I, my puzzlement here is if. I understand that people feel very strongly about this, and I, I honor that that they have very strong feelings about this for for a, a myriad of reasons. But if that is the case, um, so often when people have that situation, they put their money where their mouth is and they start an organization. I know there's Crisis Pregnancy Center, but I'm wondering why there isn't um, something that happens or to prevent the pregnancy in the first Actually, place. that's a great question, and I happen to know a little bit about this. Um, there are Title 20, other Title 20 clinics, uh, excuse me, Title X clinics that don't provide abortions. There are women's health centers. There are hospitals in this state, lar- large hospitals that have outlying clinics. There are neighborhood health clinics that can provide uh, basic family planning or basic, um, you know, uh, gynecological health. There are lots of providers that provide family planning. They're just not in a clinic setting necessarily. Uh, mm-hmm. Indiana's Medicaid program and the HIP program expanded to make that portable for a woman 
so that mm-hmm. the idea of a clinic is as, as one who for years has actually participated in the Title Five, Ten, and Twenty federal mm-hmm. family planning funding program. Mm-hmm. I would like to share that the entity that is responsible for administering those funds for the state of Indiana does competitive rounds. And we, of course, are responsive to those opportunities. And they are responsible for identifying areas of need in the state of Indiana. And in the last round of funding, there were three counties where they said need is high. These people are underserved. And not one single provider responded. We have parts of Indiana where these services don't exist for the less fortunate already. And there, there's language now that says we want to unplug another 9,300 of these people across the state of Indiana who have been served at 28 locations. We do not need fewer. Hmm. All right. We, we need to, to move on from Sue. And I, Wayne, you've been holding a long time. We, we have less than a minute to go. Do you have a comment? Uh, well, it, as a matter of public decency, Planned Parenthood should not receive government funds because it has repeatedly demonstrated itself to be corrupt. Now, you've already heard reference to Abby, Abby Johnson's expose of Planned Parenthood. I think the most decisive evidence against Planned Parenthood was, was a number of recorded telephone conversations made by a woman from the Right to Life organization. In these, in these conversations, this, this Right to Life woman calls various Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. clinics posing as a minor girl who has been impregnated by an adult man. In other words, we have a clear case of statutory rape where Planned Parenthood has a legal but, responsibility to report the crime and certainly not to aid it. We have to, we have to give Betty an opportunity to respond to that. Thank you. Um, if you were to speak with the people who are in charge of receiving the uh, reports of any of that kind of activity, they would testify in public that nobody, nobody does more of that than Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. in Indiana. All right. We are out of time. I want to thank Betty Cochran for being here with us today. It's been a a lively last half hour in particular. Also, uh, Brandon Smith, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your being here. Oh, by the way, 12 females voted for the bill at the legislature. We looked that up. Voted in favor of the bill. For uh, Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Dan Goldblatt, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.